Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to give you guys a little bit of a warm happy holidays because this is our last episode of 2022 We'll be back in the new year. Shane and I are going to sit down and we're going to go over the highs and lows, the wins, the losses of 2022 as we go into the new year. But this is our last episode of this year. And I hope it's a really encouraging one. It was one of my favorite episodes to record with one of my favorite people on social media who's really making a difference. So enjoy today's episode and we'll see you in 2023. And don't forget my birthday is December 31st. Please wish me a happy birthday. It means a lot. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Oh, I'm excited for today because today we're having on somebody who I followed for quite some time. Actually, you know what? I think it was over the pandemic. I saw this image with this quote being held up on a piece of paper in a city background, which I found out later to be Chicago. And these little notes were so impactful in even just a small, meaningful way as I scrolled social media. Well, the person behind those little notes is Case Kenny. And Case Kenny has just considers themselves somebody who's no more enlightened than the average person, but what they're doing is having a hunger and drive to be the best person he can be with the podcast, New Mindset, Who Dis, and a New Mindset Journal. This person has millions and millions of podcast downloads and is Apple Podcast, Top 30 Podcast, Top 100 in Mental Health, iHeartRadio, Top 10 the list goes on and on. I'm so excited to welcome them here today. Please welcome Case Kenny. Case Kenny, thank you so much for being here. You're quite a voice in the podcast space, but you don't have guests on your show. How how do you actually manage having something to say all the time on a podcast that has clearly been downloaded millions and millions and millions of times? <laughs> well, I mean, I think <laughs> I love to hear myself talk. So that's always a good incentive and motivation to do these yeah. things. I don't know. I asked myself that too. I just released episode 445 today. That's 
a lot of wow. That's a lot of episodes in retrospect. But you know, I mean, my whole thing is I talk about life and I talk about it from my perspective. There's nothing yeah. forced. There, there's nothing other than just me reflecting on what I've learned, what I've observed. And I think the reality is that life has a lot to offer. And I'm mm. uh, 34 and I'm young, but seasoned enough to have seen and experienced enough to, to be able to talk about these things. So I don't know. I mean, I have a process like I have a like a I don't know, it's like 200 page Google Doc where I just have random things I've written down over the years. I've got a wall of post-it notes behind my computer where I just have words written on it. So I'm always like collecting things that I'd love to talk about or react to. And then I have the the surplus of all my life experiences that I could just sit down and, and reflect on. But it's it's easy when there's no pressure, right? Yeah. It's like I don't have a an outcome in mind. I just want to like reflect on something that's helped me and people appreciate it. So I'm always finding <laughs> finding topics to talk about. Well, I followed you. I don't know if it was a post-it note or just like a little piece of paper. And it was during the pandemic you were showing as you do, you've been showing a lot of like these different reflective thoughts what was like the trigger point for you that made you start paying attention? I remember when I was in therapy and that was like the first thing my therapist was like, you need to start paying attention to what you're thinking. And that felt like such a, a jarring thing. Like, don't we all know what we're thinking all the time to, but to actually pause and reflect on what you're thinking. And I felt like a lot of your content was really capturing that moment, like capturing those thoughts and really, obviously a lot of people related to it on a very human level, but what made you begin that? And what was that catalyst to sort of start sharing in that way? Yeah. So it's, it's a very like meta thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. I never set out to be in the wellness space and the self-development space at all. In, In fact, I like younger me was kind of anti the space or at least like cynical and like yeah. a little disgusting. Like who are like, who are people to give life advice? Like, oh, Tony <laughs> Robbins, like that's cheesy. So it was kind yeah. of like uh, that was my mentality. And then, you know, when I was 28, I, you know, I was very invested in my career. I was invested in a relationship for a long time. That relationship ended and that and the just like the the career pressure that I had, I, I took a step back and I was like, man, you know, am I doing what I want to be doing? Am I making decisions from a place of my intention? Or am I borrowing from other people? Am I borrowing other people's goals, timelines, objectives, feelings, all these things? I expected the answer to be easy. Be like, no, I'm not. I'm doing my thing. But I was like, man, I don't really know. And that kind of fired me up. I'm pretty type A. And at the time, I was you know, very motivated by my sales career. So very like, go, mm-hmm. go, go, do this, do that. And I was like, I don't have a good answer to that. And that kind of frustrated me. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to look back and regret these things. I don't know if I'm maybe wrong about the things that I want and the type of relationships I want, all these things. So I was like, how do I address this? And I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. Now that seems funny. So the podcast was before the Instagram? Yes. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. The, the, yeah. So I started the podcast and, you know, that became this whole thing and it became so rewarding. It became my form of therapy. Very, very practical. I, I realized what I was doing. I was practicing mindfulness. And then the pandemic hit. So that was, you know, it was like two years of podcasting. Then the pandemic hit. And, you know, I was still working this job and I was just sitting in my apartment. I was like, man, you know, I have such a passion for the the things that I do. And, uh, you know, grateful, you know, gratefully, the the podcast did really well. But I was like, I feel like I'm not all in. I feel like Mm. I'm kind of sitting on the edge. Like, I'm afraid what people will think of me. And I really put myself out there. It's easy to hide behind a mic and do these podcasts. I was like, I need to push myself to practice what I preach, to actually live what I believe in. 
And as, as small a thing as it sounds, like I want to post on Instagram, it was like a big step of being like, all right, yeah. I'm going to be this person. So literally just during the pandemic, I was like, all right, I need to start like evangelizing the little things I say on the podcast. And I was like, well, you know, I could post it online. I could do what a lot of people do, you know, create a little graphic in Canva and put it up. And I love that. But I was like, man, I wonder if there's a better way to like make quotes a little bit more real, a little mm. more tactile and tangible. And I was like, well, you know, I drink a lot of coffee. I always have a coffee cup and there's like a surface area there. Why not write on a coffee cup? So I started doing that and then they kind of took off and you know, I started writing on paper. I live in Chicago, which is yeah. you know, such a beautiful backdrop. So mm -hmm. I think people started to relate to that. And, you know, at the time when I started to do it, not many people, there are a lot of inspirational quotes on the Internet, of course, but not many people hand wrote them maybe in the way I did. But anyway, I think it was at a time where people just really craved that type of connection, relatability in a, in a cool way. And the rest is free from there. <laughs> It's it's so fascinating that you say this because I I'm so obsessed with like the human mind and like what makes us tick? Why do we like certain things? What are those things? And even the reality of like you do like I'm just looking at your feed right now and almost every photo has some form of chaos in the background and then a handwritten note in the center. And I think when a lot of times when we talk about mindfulness, it really feels like you have to like center yourself in something quiet or you have to like be in a certain arena of life in order to experience mindfulness. And I think what's neat about you is it sort of creates this different juxtaposition where you're like, no, you're in the chaos and you're still having this mindful moment. Was there a certain point that you were like, I obviously your podcast is called new mindset who this, but how did you know that it was mindfulness that was actually what you were doing? Cause I think that mindfulness is like, it's almost a buzzword, but it's hard yeah. to identify. Like when you say mindfulness to somebody, it's it still feels very disconnected in terms of like what the actual practice is. So at what point did you realize that mindfulness was where you were going? Yeah, such a great question. Because again, back to my younger self, I would see a word mindfulness and be like, I don't know what that is. That's not for yeah. me. That's for people who go on silent retreats and and do these things and own candles and, you know, do all these different things. It's not it's not for me. Use words like chakras and frequencies. I'm like, that's not really my thing. And so I never really even gave it any mind. I started the podcast being like, I want to find answers. And what I realized through the process of what I do on the podcast, which is basically I, I react to something, I ask a question and I dive in. I realized I was practicing mindfulness mm -hmm. in a very, very practical way. I suppose there's no incorrect definition of mindfulness because it's a very personal thing. And I would yeah. never be like, this is what it is. This is what it's not. But what I came to realize through my practice is that there's layers to mindfulness, you know, mm. I think most people would agree that mindfulness is self-awareness. Mm. Yeah, you know, you're aware, right? You're aware of something that's on your heart. You're aware of something you need to heal from these things. Great. But to me, that's not enough because you could be aware of something, certainly, but you don't do anything to change, to simplify, to embedder yourself and so on. So I was like, okay, we know that mindfulness is self-awareness. And I think the next layer we need to go is honesty, right? We need to be mm. honest with ourselves about how this thing that we're aware of affects us. I was like, still, that's still not quite enough because again, you could be honest with yourself, but not take, you know, a step to change something. So yeah. like, what is that next layer of mindfulness? And what I came up with is the most practical thing in the world. It's just the execution of asking yourself why, W-H-Y. Mm. That to me is, is the true form of mindfulness is that when you can look at an area of your life amidst chaos, amidst noise and ask yourself why, that really opens the door to change in a really compassionate and powerful way. And that's kind of everything that I do in my writing and podcasting. It's just encouraging people to get to the core of why, why they believe something to be true, why they assume something to be true, why they feel a certain way, why they have a certain goal. To me, if you can answer that, or at least try to, it gets you to a point where you can actually take action. 
And that is the full, the full scope of mindfulness from self-awareness to honesty, to why, to some kind of action. And, you know, that's what's really led me. And it's been so powerful in my life, just starting with mm -hmm. one short little word. All right, everyone, I have a challenge for you over the holiday season. Are you in? Okay, it's all about self-care, but it's going to be a different type of self-care than you've ever done before. Self-care is top of the mind for me, has been lately, and I struggle with meditation. I'm not going to lie. And sometimes it's going to nail salons. Sometimes it's just going having a cup of coffee with my mom. Self-care has rarely been something that we've identified as being something that is like sensual or sexy. And I want us to go there. And I want us to go there with Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. So they're going to bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes, realistic characters, and stories about things like an intriguing coworker, maybe with a British accent, or maybe even hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. There's also new content released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories you can read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax, unwind, or heat things up with a partner. Now, I said I wanted to challenge you. Well, for listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash papaya. So that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash papaya, dipseastories.com slash papaya. I know it sounds like, how is that going to be relaxing? Just listen. When I first tried it, I was blown away at how good these audio stories are and how immersed I was in the entire thing. I had the best night's sleep that night. I only have good things to say about Dipsy. I love them. Check them out. It's for free for 30 days for a trial. Dipsystories.com slash papaya. Let's get back to the show. Well, hello, I'm Katie Maloney, and you probably know me from a little show called Banner Bumber Rolls. I've been labeled all kinds of things, a bitch, a bully, and a mean girl. But there is so much more to a person than what you see on TV. Tune in every Friday as I talk to some of my friends and castmates, celebrities, comedians, medical professionals, and maybe some political figures. And by the time we're done, you're going to love me. You mentioned earlier that notion of borrowing somebody else's goals or timelines. And I think a lot of us can relate to that, whether it was our parents or somebody that we were in a relationship with who maybe had their own timeline going on. And I found myself probably around the same age, late 20s in therapy. And my therapist looked at me and said, you're a sponge and you have to figure out how to find your own opinion. So when you're talking about mindfulness now, a lot of us don't even step into it until we're like, getting into our thirties. And we're like, wait a second, I've lived this whole life and I've done all these things. I've checked these boxes. And now I have to kind of like untangle this web that I've, that I've woven and figure out where am I in the center of all of this? Do you find a lot of times when you're in this work that like I, I, you kind of were doing it, I guess, out loud for yourself 
But what are some ways that people can really like start connecting with themselves and their mindfulness just in the very bare bones beginning? Because that can be very, very scary. A lot of people really enjoy being told what to do. It's a little bit simpler to be like, this is the path that I'm taking. Somebody else decided it for me. It's scary to be like, wait a second. What is my why? What do I want? Am I going the right direction? Because there's that fear of what if the answers that I hold inside are opposite to the life I'm living and then what? So talk me through sort of like breaking down some of those fears and those like first steps that a lot of people are probably entering to right now, especially post pandemic, couple years of crisis, really a lot of time to reflect. Yeah, that's so well said. I mean, yeah, that's literally it. What is our aversion in life to change? It's it's the fact that we have to pick up and maybe start over. And we're scared of that yeah. fact. We're scared of looking at our life and be like, oh, man, you know, if I'm really honest, this isn't what I want to do, but it's it, it's comfortable. I've invested this time in it. To start over means failure. To start over means zero. To start over means ugh, I'd rather just yeah. be comfortable right now. I'd rather do that. For me, I'm very motivated by the idea of regret in that I don't mm. want regret in life because yeah. regret is oh, it's such an uncomfortable feeling because it's the, it's the ultimate thing that you cannot change. Mm-hmm. It is always reflective and it is always retrospective. You cannot change regret. And I hate that. And I and I never encourage people to operate from a place of fear. There's a difference between operating from a place of fear and regret. But for me, my goal with mindfulness is to minimize regret in life. Even yes. if that means I have to be embarrassed, awkward, or whatever it may be, I would much rather have the pain of that temporary discomfort than to look back and realize I can't change something I did or didn't do. That makes me so uncomfortable. So I'm very motivated by that. And I mm-hmm. think we need to get under our skin a little bit. But the, the, the follow up to that that I, I love talking about is the idea that like mindfulness should get you to a place where you either continue on a course because you've proven to yourself why it's right for you or you decide that it's not and you need a new course. But again, our aversion to discomfort is an, an aversion to starting over. Mm-hmm. We are so averse to starting over. And I think it's a perception thing. Honestly, like I talk a lot about the subject because I think we have it reversed. We think about starting over. We think about in the instances where where we have to start over, whether it's after a breakup, after a career change, after a friend change, after a just a self-perception rebrand, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We think that starting over means that you messed up so bad that you were all the way here and now you got to go all the way back to zero. You messed up so bad that you've got to pick up all the pieces up and start a brand new puzzle. And, you know, certainly there are instances where you literally are starting from zero, but you know, we think so much about, you know, starting over as a reflection of what you lost, of what you're leaving behind. And for me, starting over is about what you're bringing with you, like all these yeah. things that you're bringing with you. I have this whole thing in mindfulness where I talk about the idea of like points, where if you do something awkward, you get an awkward point and you cash it in for confidence. If you do something that disappoints yourself, you get a disappointment point because now you have awareness of why it disappointed you, all these things. And you're always collecting these points that you can cash in for a larger thing, vision, purpose confidence, standards, boundaries, mm-hmm. these things where basically the opposite is what gave it to you. And for me, the idea of starting over isn't about starting from zero. There's the, you know, the self-help quote that says you're never starting from scratch. You're always starting from experience, but mindfulness gets you to the point of starting over. And when you're starting over, it's not about what you're leaving behind. It's about what you're bringing with you. And I think that's so empowering and incentivizes me to start over in the face of regret and say, okay, I am willing yeah. to start over because here's all the things I'm bringing with me. And here's why that is going to make my next chapter, my next season, my next page better because of my willingness to do that and not just sit in the ruins of whatever's going on or the the comfort of something that's beneath me. So I think we have to incentivize ourselves to start over as many times as possible. Frankly, the happiest, most successful people that I know are people that are willing to embrace that 
in big ways and in small ways. So to me, like that's the most practical way to approach mindfulness from the point of enacting positive change in your life is just a willingness and an eagerness almost to start over. Oh, I have so much to say about this. It is just so bizarre though, too. I feel like you're the third person in a week that has spoken to me about what it is to start over and how much we like what a positive thing it can be and how much we collect from our life. And like, how could it be starting over when you have so much information and lived experience that you're bringing with you? It's it's a start over, but it's it's a it, it's so much better than it could have ever been. Like you, you almost, not that you almost can't fail, but you, you can't make the same mistakes that you just learned from. So you're going forward with like all the lived experience you have. But I also love, I, I, I spoke the words I want a divorce and it took me three years to actually activate and leave. And so a lot of times people will slide into my DMs and be like, how did you, how did you know that it was like time to make the change? And it's funny because like, yeah, there is like so much resistance to change. And I understand like even in that moment or even like I remember quitting my job, like these are huge, huge, huge life decisions. And it feels too much for one person to have to carry with them. But I would always sort of say to myself, like, what is the path of least regret? Like, what is the path? Mm -hmm like that 80 year old self will look back. And, and even though it took me three years to leave the marriage, I do regret that a little bit. I think I could have just, once you know, you know, and I think I probably could have saved a little bit of time and heartache collectively for everybody. But ultimately, like I had to go through my own resistance to change. And I think a lot of people feel that where they're just very stuck in what they're grieving, what they have to leave behind, whether that's people, places, things, I was very attached to my house. I don't know why, but I was so attached mm. to my house. The idea of leaving it would keep me firm in place. And it kept me firm in place for three years. I had to work through letting go of things and, and more than I had to let go of relationships because I had processed those things. But the path of least regret was something that really woke me up because I was like, there, there just isn't time. There isn't all the time in the world. Like we think there is like, yes, I envision myself as this 80 year old person, but even in the span of those three years, what if I only had those three years? Like, what if that was all I had and I spent it stuck in, in this process of grief and fear of change that ultimately kept me in place. But I love that you kind of talk about the fact that like we can exchange some of the discomforts for something better down the road. Cause I think once you figure out your why, even if you don't understand the whole picture, you can start to piece together day by day, what you need to do, not necessarily making it, it, it can be hard when it's this big, big, big life change. And it feels so huge. And like you said, it feels like failure. It feels like failure and going back to a beginning, but it's, it's not, it's, I think for me, I've had to, I've had to frame it more of like a turning of a page where like the story just didn't, the story doesn't get wiped out and you start from the beginning of the book, you turn the page and you keep writing. And that's like a really hard disconnect. Have you found a lot of people, especially after, you know, your podcast and now that you're on Instagram and people have a way to sort of connect with you on a new level, what have you noticed that a lot of people are really stuck with when it comes to mindset or starting over? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I love that the the path the path of least regret. Path of um, least regret because people say that. the path of least re people will always say the path of least resistance, and I'm like, but th there's resistance everywhere. So where's the path of least regret? That's just sort of what because to me that's self resistance, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the path of of least regret is probably the path of the path of most resistance. If yeah, anything, so, probably. Uh, it's probably yeah, it's probably it's, opposite. It's hard. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it's like, you know, resistance to change in, in mm -hmm. any form. Right? It's like your story that you just shared. It's like we're all wired to have an intuition that says, like, this is not good for you. You need mm -hmm. better. But then we're also wired to just dwell in, in comfort and in random comfort. It could be the comfort of the house. It could be the comfort of whatever. It could be small. It could be practical. It could be impractical. We're very strange. We're 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 hypocrites. But we yes. do we do have this this inner guidance that I think knows the truth. But, you know, the ultimate equalizer in life is always a willingness to, to do change. And again, everything I, I think about is we have to incentivize ourselves to do the difficult things, mm. to say the difficult things, to do the difficult, difficult things to start over. And I think about the power of contrast, right? I'm really big on this. And again, it's, it's, we're very wise in retrospect. We always are. In the moment, it's like the worst thing ever. We cannot find the silver lining if, if we tried. But I think about the idea of contrast and like, how do we know what is right for us in life? Mm -hmm. Truly, if you were to sit down and be like, how do I know what makes me happy? How do I know how I deserve to be treated? If you're really honest with yourself, the only way you know those things, not just in theory, not what you saw in a movie or what you read in a book, the only way to truly know what makes you happy or what makes you feel loved is the opposite, is the contrast to know mm -hmm. what doesn't make you happy, mm -hmm. to know what you don't deserve in love. And I think that's powerful. And of course, it's very difficult in the moment because when you're yeah. going through an unfulfilling job or a toxic relationship or whatever negative contrast that you don't want in life, it's very difficult, of course, to be like, oh, thank you, contrast for, for showing me what I do deserve. Like, we're not <laughs> we're not like masochists like that. It'd be yeah. weird if we were. But again, once we're at the point where our intuition is being like, hey, then maybe we can see the value of that contrast and be like, mm -hmm. all right, that contrast is showing me this. If I don't act on it to get the opposite of that contrast, that is something I will surely regret. So again, incentivizing ourselves to minimize regret in some way by being willing to start over, by seeing the power of contrast. Like this is evidence A in a, in a court of law. You know, this is this is the evidence that says I need to do this, that, or the other. If we don't see it like that, then yeah, it's no wonder we we change, we don't change, and we don't embrace the next chapter, the next season. So I think it's it's about taking a step back and looking at the things that maybe frustrate us in life that yeah. are holding us back, that make us feel stuck. And instead of seeing them for what they are, which are things that suck, things that frustrate us, what can we see them as the catalyst for the opposite, for mm. contrast? How can we like re reframe our viewing of it? And then if you have the mentality that you and I are describing of not wanting to regret things, maybe we can use that as the foundation for a next step, a small one or a big one. So I think that reframing of contrast can be really helpful. I love that. And it, it reminds me of, I heard this concept once that there's no such thing as a bad date because a bad date, even in its worst, where like there's no connection whatsoever, you learned something about yourself. You learned what you don't like. So it's again, speaking to that contrast method where even the things that you don't love in life, they are showing you what you do. Like we are being led through life and through intuition almost every day, but we constantly point, like people will be like, oh, it was a bad date. Like it was a failure. And I love the NASA ideology that they don't say the word failure, that they instead call failure early attempts at success. And that is mm. such an interesting way of framing it. Like whenever I would talk about my marriage failing, people would be like, no, but like it still was successful. I was like, I don't know. I'm okay with calling it a failure. I'm okay with being like, it's fine. It's a failure. Mm. But now being remarried, I'm like, it was an early attempt at success. Like we, we tried and we did this thing and it didn't work. And like, that doesn't define me as a person. And I learned so much from it. And so there's no such thing as like that bad experience because it taught me everything I needed to know going into a new one. It taught me everything that I would hold value to in a marriage now that I didn't realize I had values about before. I had to go through those 
lived experiences, it, it really has spurred. It does sometimes feel like it's maybe like overly positive or like some would call it toxic positivity. But I do like the concept of being able to see the good in in a lot of things, even at least the good in ourselves throughout everything. And and one thing about your Instagram page is you have really touched into not so much even about mindfulness, but just like reminding people of the good in them. Was that something that you've always done or has that been more recent? A lot of your stuff is like very like you are good, you are worthy, you are like I sometimes your stuff just comes up on my feed and I feel myself just exhaling and I'm like, oh, damn, like that was so needed. Was there a point that you were like, people really need this. And that's also as a guy, was it hard for you to sort of step into this space of like really talking about in a way mental health, which many men don't, they kind of shove away feelings and the idea of self-love or like, it's more about self-preservation more than anything. And you have a, you have a softness that you bring to social media as a male. Yeah. I mean, the, the title that I've leaned into for myself is I share my feelings for a living, mm-hmm. which it doesn't get you know <laughs> more sensitive than that, I suppose. And I, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with it because yeah, you know, I, I write some very cheesy posts sometimes. And it's like, if I could just make you feel good about yourself, yeah. I, I'm going to do that all day. Like, yeah, be, I'd rather be that, cheesy and make someone feel good. Why not? I don't yeah. care. Like, people can be like, yo, case is cheesy. That's fine. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm just kind of like at war with social media sometimes because it could be so negative. So like, negative. You can, I can open up my TikTok right now and props to the algo there because once it realized you watch something, it'll just beat you over the head with it. And it's like, if I, if I were to open up TikTok, it, I'm just going to be beat over the head with bad dating stories. Men yeah. are pigs. Men are dishonest. Women are crazy. It's like, that's the narrative. No one, you're not served up. Hey, by the way, I have a really healthy relationship. I went on a great first date and things are fantastic. No yeah. one bites on that. So we're just yeah. beat over the head with negativity. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a realist. I'm, pr- I'm practical. I'm pragmatic. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really do try to stay away from toxic positivity. Sometimes mm-hmm. there aren't redeeming things, but in the face of just these draining narratives on social media it just like got a little much to me and I was like I'm going to go to the polar opposite of that for myself yeah my own mental health and for other people because again the stories we hear the stories we tell ourselves become our reality Mm. if you're on TikTok and it says all men suck you're going to go find men that suck don't think of a yellow car yellow car it's just the way we're wired and we'll always find evidence to support the assumptions we've made in life so the idea of me coming on and on Instagram and being like reminding people of their worth it's not mm. pandering. I'm not patronizing yeah. people. I'm saying you have worth because of the things that you do and your willingness to do them. And we're, we forget that so often that worth, there's a certain level of worth that is inherent with being alive. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. past that, your worth comes from what you do and how you treat other people. And if you can look at yourself and say, I want someone in my life who is honest, compassionate, and loyal. And you're like, oh, maybe I don't deserve those things. Or you're letting these negative narratives talk you out of it. All you got to come back to is, are you yourself willing to be honest, loyal, and supportive? Whatever it is said, yes. Well, then you deserve those things in return. Like your worth is built on reciprocity. Your worth is built on action. And I think sometimes we just forget that. Yeah. And it's very easy to forget that. So if I can re- help remind people of that fact by like encouraging people to kind of audit their behavior and the way mm. that they approach relationships or other people, I think we'll start giving ourselves more credit. And that's a good thing. Not hubris, not boastful, anything like that. Just reminding ourselves of like, I want an honest person in my life and I am honest. That is Mm -hmm. why I deserve that. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can come back to that, it could just make people a little bit more positive about themselves and what is possible. Reminding yourself that, hey, there are honest men out there. There are women who aren't crazy. Like these ridiculous 
stigmas that we've developed and support online. Just leave room for positive intention, leave room for good people. Talk about what we want rather than what we don't want. Talk mm-hmm. about how we deserve to be treated rather than the ways that we've been mistreated. Like that's, yeah, that's a whole other thing, a manifestation. But yeah, if I could just make people smile a little bit more and return to what they know to be true and to mm-hmm. stop talking themselves out of it or into a bad narrative, then uh, I feel good about what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, there's like nearly half a million people who are following you to get those little reminders. So clearly there is a lot of impact there. Talk to me about talk to me about the journals, because that is obviously something that's like you've got a couple different journals. Is that right? Yeah, I've uh, I've got six. Um, six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. I've, I mean, for journaling for me is like I always wanted to be a journaler and I struggled to be a impactful journaler because I would buy these journals and I found that they were either too prompted. It was like they stressed me out. It was like, get up in the morning, do this, come back at noon and do this. Like I was like, man, I I feel worse. Part time job. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's another journal that's very, it's like a bullet journal, just kind of like, hey, how you Mm -hmm. feeling? Share your thoughts on life. And I was like, I'm a little too ADD for that. I need Mm -hmm. a little more guidance. So I was like somewhere between those journal types. So in 2019, I was like, I'm going to create my own journal because I feel like people who support me would also benefit from it. So I created the first one, New Mindset Journal. It did really well. And during the pandemic, I think there was a increased demand for for wellness products. So I ended up creating a bunch more, some more specific. I created one called Unbothered for anxiety. I created Mm -hmm. one called Single is Your Superpower for like anxious dating thoughts. I created one called Closure for breakups. I created one called Clarity for your dating life. I created one called But First Inner Peace for visualization and manifestation. Just realized the value of asking yourself questions yeah. Like I, like the whole, my whole ethos is like we're all in life. And I think we'd agree to some extent that the purpose of life is to go out and find answers. Mm-hmm. But we forget that to find answers, you need to ask yourself questions. And I think that the power of a random question at the right time in your life can be life changing. So I just put all my best questions as best, best I could into these journals in different areas of life. And and there's something, of course, there's something very real about writing thoughts down tactily. There's yeah. science behind that as well. But yeah, I think journaling is you know, the the ultimate mental health activity that you could do in a, in a low judgment, you know, free form style. And, you know, I'll continue to, to create more journals as, as I learn more and learn more about, you know, the questions that have helped me most in my life. I think that's a really I think that's a really powerful thing to be doing as well, because each and every day people will ask us questions and they're often, you know, something really like a, a tangible, like, where did you get that? Or it'll be something that is incredibly surface that we get so desensitized. I remember one time there was a, I was having like the worst day and I go through this Starbucks drive through and the woman was like, how are you? And I was like, good. And then like the tears welled up and I was like, actually, I'm having a really bad day, but like, it's really nice to see your smiling face. And just even that moment of honesty with myself, because asking, you get asked the same, like, what do you do? What it like, we're asked such surface questions all the time that it's really hard to navigate how much we hide in the image of being nice or being presentable that we sort of like self-deny ourselves even through the process of when other people ask us questions. So I think what you're doing is incredibly powerful that we get to kind of sit down with ourselves and ask just the right questions that can figure us out along the way. Because if a lot of people ask us all day long, how are you? And we just keep saying good. We're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to make any progress in our life because if deep down we're like really not good and we're constantly even at a surface level, self-denying just to be nice. That's yeah. a that's yeah. a real struggle, right? So I think that that's really important that you're doing that. Yeah. I mean, I refer to that as being a reaction robot. Like we are reaction robots in life. 
both externally and internally. Like we go, uh, good. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, oh yeah. Weekend's good. Like we do that yeah. socially, practically maybe, but more socially, but internally as well. We're, we're reaction robots. We either interpret things in the same way. Cause that's how we've always interpreted it. Good, bad, whatever. Or we, we don't challenge the feelings because we're uncomfortable with what we might feel. We just become robots in that sense. And I think journaling can be very revealing to yourself. If you sit down and, and force yourself to not give the first answer you want, which is likely a, a robot mode type answer, mm -hmm. and to get to a, a level of honesty that lies beyond that. And then you start coupling journaling with a, like actual therapy. And I, just, I think it could be it could be life changing. And of course, it's so many people swear by it. But, you know, I think for men in particular who maybe are more averse to going to therapy or, mm -hmm. you know, sharing quotes on the Internet, like most of my following mm -hmm. is women just because. I think this, it's this it's this self-fulfilling cycle because women are more willing to share these things and yeah. show their sensitivity online. Yeah. I have men, you know, you know, 30% or so who support me, but they don't necessarily share it vocally. It's the same idea. It's like, okay, well, if you're not comfortable with that, I get it because there's certain roles in society that might be difficult to break through. But journaling, you can go and journal. Like yeah. all my best friends journal, like we share our journaling sessions with each other and like send pictures and stuff. And like, oh, wow. that's what I'd really, I'd love more men to do or yeah. anyone. But I think yeah. for men in particular, it can be great. But the fact that you're leading it, even within your own friend group, like says a lot, because I think there's so like, and to be fair, like men can't, men can't bring all of their stuff into relationships with women who are willing to talk about it to get to those places too. I think it's really powerful when you have somebody who's worked through their shit or is working through it in real time, even within their friend groups or with other people. So it's not just a relationship container type of conversation, right? Or something that they deal with. I mean, I don't even want to get into the stats with men and mental health. It's really it's really bad. It's really tragic. And it needs to be something that is more openly talked about. And I think what you do just by existing, just by even holding conversation as a man in these spaces is like already powerful. And it has so much further to go. Where can everyone sort of tap into everything you are doing? Maybe check out the journals, check out your Instagram podcast, anywhere else that you like to be found. Thank you. I appreciate that. The podcast is New Mindset Who Dis. It's everywhere. Instagram is case.kenny. And then if you just check out the links there, you'll find all the journals, newmindsethoodis.com. And they're on Amazon as well. But Instagram is kind of the center of the universe for me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Same for me. I'm like, I'll go on TikTok, but it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. a lot. Just don't read the comments and then leave and you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And for everyone listening, I, of course, we'll have that in the show notes for you as well. And I hope you take some time to ask yourself some questions today, just to start off on a little bit of mindfulness. Maybe at the end of this podcast, that's what you can do for yourself is ask how you're doing today and maybe prompt into a little bit more from there. Okay. Have a great week. We will see you next time. Now, before you go, and before you go into the holidays, I just want to remind you that I have a photo app. Yeah, it's called Pink Papaya App. It's available for iPhone currently. And we have a special feature that I think you're really going to love over the holidays, and that's snow. Yes, snow. You see, I found myself frustrated every single year trying to find that perfect snow overlay that didn't obstruct the view of what I was trying to show. But Sometimes winter isn't white and beautiful. Sometimes it's mucky and gross, and it's nice to add that little touch of magic. So if that is something that you come across and you need it, please go check out Pink Papaya app. The snow feature is free to use. There are two other snow features available if you subscribe. 
the second one being a video feature one, and there's even an eraser tool, which means you can erase it off of your family's faces, your dog, your house, whatever it is that you don't want snow obstructing, you can do that. So check it out. It's one of my favorite things. If you go onto my IG in the highlights, I have a bunch of tutorials there for you as well. I hope that helps you out this holiday season, but go check it out at Pink Papaya app in the iPhone app store. And happy new year. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.